Go ahead and turn over with me uh, to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. And we'll once again go to the board in prayer. God, we do thank you for the evening. I pray that you'd be with me uh, as I uh, teach and as I preach. And God, just uh, guide me to all things that I need to say. Use this for your honor and glory tonight. And uh, Lord, help me to um, to be the uh, the pastor and the leader that you want me to be here. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, tonight we are going to be looking at Abram's new name in Genesis chapter 17. Now, uh, we actually skipped a chapter um, in the in chapter 16. Uh, if you look through there, it's just basically dealing with Ishmael, and uh, not that that's not important or anything, but. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cover him a little bit tonight. We'll just kind of cover that subject, uh, the subject of Ishmael. Uh, but we're going to skip over chapter 15 and go on to chapter 17. Now, uh, we have been tracing the life of Abram over the last uh, several lessons. You know, we've been looking at everything that he's been doing, watching his life uh, from the time that God called him out of Ur uh, until he brought him over to the Promised Land. We've been seeing some of the different things that he's been going through. In chapter 15, uh, we, we saw that God formally established his covenant with Abraham when he cut the covenant and passed between the pieces. And if you remember last week uh, when God told Abram, well, actually, uh, God kind of reestablished, not reestablished, but just repeated his covenant uh, verbally to Abram. And Abram, you know, was talking back and forth with him, and he, he said, God, how can I know that these things are going to come to pass. How do I know this is real? How do I know you're going to do this? And he said, all right, Abram, I want you to get... He told him that, you know, to get several different animals. I believe uh, one was uh, a bull or, or something of that nature, and then uh, he was to get a sheep, a goat, and then uh, two doves as well. Do I have all that right? As far as you know? Okay. And uh, so then he was to take uh, the three livestock animals. He was to cut them in half, uh, take the bodies, cut them in half, and uh, and he was to lay them one on one side, uh, and you know just kind of in a row on, on each side, and then put a, you know put a bird on each side as well. And uh, of course we we talked about how strange that sounded for him to have to do that, uh, but we also talked about the fact that this was a a custom uh, that people did whenever they would make a covenant between one person and another, they would actually do this, and they called it cutting the covenant. And, uh, and they would take an animal of choice and they would cut it down the middle and they would, uh, both parties would pass through, let's say these are animals here, they would pass through uh, the divided animals and basically they were signifying that if they were to break this covenant that the same thing would be done to them, that they would also be divided asunder, uh, as the King James would say. And, uh, and so... Both parties would have to pass through that, and, and both would be uh, bound to that covenant. Now, if you remember, when, uh, when God passed through uh, the animals, when he made that covenant with Abraham, or with Abram at the time, remember that God did not require Abram to pass through and to, make the, you know, to take his, his end of that covenant. Why did we say that was? Do you remember? Why, did, why wasn't Abraham required to pass through that? Anybody remember? Y'all slept since then, didn't you? All right. Abraham was not required to pass through because nothing 
Abraham didn't have anything to uphold. There was no end of the bargain for him to uphold. God said, I'm going to do this. He, he uh, identified that as being true by going through and, and you know, making this covenant with Abraham. But there was nothing Abraham had to do for this to be, to be carried out. This wasn't conditional. It wasn't, Abram, Abram, if you keep your end of the deal, if you'll do this and you'll do this and this, this and this, then I will keep my end of the deal. That, that, was, that wasn't it at all. God said, I am going to do this. There was nothing required of Abram, nothing required of his descendants uh, for this covenant to be held. It was all bound up. It was all dependent upon God himself. And, uh, and so he passed through. He made the covenant. And he, he did it all before Abram so that Abram would realize that God was going to keep his word. And that's what we said. You know, uh, he said, how can I know? How do I know this is real? And God said, I'll make a covenant with you. I'll physically uh, you know, come, come through and, and make this covenant with you. And so that's what he did. Now, in chapter 16, uh, we find that Abram and Sarai had uh, another less than genius idea to speed up the process. And, uh, you know, they, they were wanting to have this child, and uh, they've been coming up with different solutions. Uh, Abram asked God, he said, well, you know, I have a servant here who has a son. He's already born in my house. Why don't I just adopt him, and he could be my heir? And God says, no, I'm going to give you a child. From, from you, you, your seed, uh, there's going to be a son that is born. Well, I guess they wait around a little bit later, and, and Sarai has a, an idea. She says, well, why, well, Abram, why don't you, since I can't have a child, since I'm old and, and stricken in age and all that, she says, uh, why don't you take my servant Hagar and have a baby with her, and then I will adopt the child as my own. And this, that can be our heir. And that's really what we find that they did. So I will allow her servant Hagar to become a surrogate mother for her and then adopt the child as her own. Now, of course, this all backfired when Hagar saw that she was carrying Abram's child and turned on Sarai. If you remember, uh, after she had... Now, I read that for so many years... Uh, as, and I guess I just wasn't paying close attention, but uh, whenever Hagar became pregnant, it says that she despised her master, or you know, despised, or she was despised in her eyes. And I always thought it was uh, it was Sarah that was despising Hagar for getting pregnant. Uh, but you know, when it, when I, when you read through that, that's that's not what it's talking about. It says that Hagar despised Sarah. And, uh, and so she, you know, I could just imagine she's looking at Sarah like, you know, you, how long have you tried all these years? You can't get pregnant. Here I am. I'm carrying his baby. You know, I'm the one, you know, kind of like that. And so uh, Sarah was very distraught at this. She went to Abram. Abram said, well, you, she's your servant. You do whatever you think is best. And so Sarah kicked her out, <laughs> and, she, uh, and uh, she ran away. But God stopped her, and, and uh, he told her, listen, the child that you have, I'm going to bless this child, and uh, you know, so I want you to return back to Abram and, and Sarah, and I want you to, uh, to go back to them and stay with them. He says, he says, you submit yourself to Sarah, or Sarai at the time. He says, submit yourself to her and become her servant. Now, in this chapter, chapter 17, God is going to renew his covenant with Abram and reveal some more specific information concerning the birth of their promised child. Now, you, you take this into consideration. Why does God have to renew the covenant? And I don't know that it's really a renewing of the covenant, but obviously Abram had kind of forgotten what God said 
because here he is having a child with another lady and and uh, God you know God told him you and your wife are going to have a baby and you know he, he went off and did this and so God comes down and and he's going to renew this covenant with Abram and he's also going to reveal some more information about uh, what he what he's planning on doing now there's a couple things we see here as we look through and uh, the first thing we find in these verses is the covenant name in verses 1 through 14. Now we see, first of all, that God renewed the covenant in verses 1 and 2. It says, when Abram was 90 years old and 9, how old is that? 99, okay. The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. Now it seems as though the Lord actually uh, took an earthly form and appeared to Abram. Uh, and he's going to do this again in the plane of Mamre, so we'll probably talk a little bit more about that uh, in the next chapter over in chapter 18 when, God, when the Lord appears to him. Uh, but it, it, it appears that he took a physical form and, and appeared to Abram as a man uh, in some way. So, like I said, we'll talk about more, that more a little bit next week uh, because I think there's some significant things that, that we could talk about uh, with his appearing to Abram. Now, the purpose of this visit, again, was to renew the covenant in Abram's mind and, of course, as we said, to add some new features to the covenant as well. Now, we find uh, that God changed his name in verses 3 through 5, if we go ahead and, and read down through there. Now, it says, uh, as I wrote there, there was no question in Abram's mind concerning the identity of the person before him uh, and he had the right reaction to this. If you look at verse 3, it says, And Abram fell on his face. And let me tell you, when you stand before God, regardless of what form he takes, you know, or, or, or any of those things, when you stand before the Lord and recognize who he is, and there's a realization in your mind of who he is, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to hit your face to the ground as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think about, we always talk about in heaven, uh, you know, and I... I know I've heard others, you know, mention this as well. You know, when they see Jesus, they're gonna, they're gonna do this, they're gonna do that, and you know, and and uh, I'm gonna hug him for this, you know, or all this stuff. Um, I, I kind of have an idea of what we're really gonna do when we finally stand before God, and I think it's gonna have a lot to do with, uh, with our heads in the dirt, and uh, and and us falling down before Him. Our face is gonna be planted in the ground just like Abram's was. Uh, because when we see a holy God for the first time, uh, it's going to cause a reaction that we maybe have never had before. And, uh, and it definitely happened here with Abram. So like I said, he had the right re reaction. It says, again, Abram fell on his face, and God, again, this, you know, no mistaking who this was, God talked with him uh, saying this as we continue reading on. Uh, he says in verse 4, uh, As for... As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. Now, if we look at Abram's name, uh, the name Abram itself means high father or father of height. Think about that. Uh, there is some irony here uh, because... Uh, the high father, as, as Abram names being, uh, had no children. This high father had no children of his own. And I think in your outline, I didn't put it up here, but in your outline I wrote something you know, about a possible scenario 
uh, where you know Abram is, is asked to introduce himself. Maybe he meets someone for the first time, and, and uh, they say, well, what is your name? And he says, my name is Abram. And they recognize the name Abram, high father. And they say, okay, well, uh, you know, you're, you're an older gentleman. You know, you're, you're well in age. Where are your children, Abram? Where are your children, high father? Oh, I don't have any. You know, and so that, that must have been something that, you know, that rung out several times throughout Abram's life. I mean, his name means father, but he has no children. And uh, here he is, he's 99 years old, and still, uh, well, now he has uh, Ishmael, but, you know, for all this time, he's carried that name around with no children at all. Now, under this covenant, God was going to both increase his name and increase his offspring as well. He says, your name is no more going to be called Abram, but it's going to be called Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Interesting, huh? God says, you know, his name already meant father. He says, but I, I'm going I'm to make that even bigger. Your name is now father of a multitude. All right? And uh, we find that, of course, in verses 4 through 6. Now, let's read verse 6. He says, And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And we, you know, through history, we look back and see how all that uh, took place exactly as God said. And he is the father of a multitude. Now, we see that God promised him blessings as we look in verses 6 uh, through 8. We'll go ahead and read that. Uh, we already read 6. He says in verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generation, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now I want you to notice how many times he says to Abraham, I'm going to do this for you and for who else? And for, for your seed after you. And so God was not only establishing a covenant with Abraham, he was establishing a covenant with Israel, who, you know, in, in God's mind, Israel was already a nation. You know, it just hadn't happened yet. But it was a, it was a done deal. There was going to be a nation, and uh, he's making that covenant with them as well. Remember, there's no, uh, God is not bound by time. You know, he, he, he does care about time. He's concerned about time. But he already knew uh, what was going to be, and, and he's making that uh, covenant between both of them. Now, this promise, as I said, was not made to Abram alone, or Abraham alone. Now I can say Abraham, and I'm never going to say it again. I'm going to keep saying Abram. Uh, but it was also made to his seed after him. Now, who was Abraham's seed? Israel, right. And so this covenant was a covenant with Israel. And remember, uh, you know, as we read through this, I know I've said this several times, we have to keep in mind who's receiving this book. And, of course, we're reading it now, but this book was written to the nation of Israel. And so it's a reminder of the covenant that God made with them even back, you know, before they, you know, before they became this great nation. And God's covenant with them still stands today. Uh, they will have that land, and He will be their God. I want you to notice what He says at the end of verse 8. Uh, he says, he says, I give unto thee, and I seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger. What land was, was he a stranger in? He was a stranger in Canaan, wasn't he? All the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. He says, I'll give this land to them for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. 
Now, Israel as a, as a whole, Judaism still worships God, but they don't worship the same God I do. Yeah, I hope you understand what I mean by that. Uh, they have a very distorted view on who God is, a very distorted view on what His Word is, but one day they're going to be turned back. And uh, He is going to be their God. This covenant's not going to be broken. It will happen. Now, uh, we find in verses 9 through 14 that God demanded holiness as we read uh, down through verse 14. Now, it says there in verse 9, it says, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee and their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt or between me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed. So even strangers, even uh, foreigners who became part of the uh, community of Israel also had to go through this process as well. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child whose uh, flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. Now, uh, if these were to be the people of God's covenant, then there was going to need to be evidence of that covenant relationship, and that's what this circumcision is. Uh, now, God chose, as we find here, He chose circumcision to be the token or the evidence of their covenant. Now, as we think about this, um, this may seem like a strange demand. You know, you may wonder, what, what does that have to do, you know, with anything? How, how does that fit into this covenant? How is that, you know, why is that a requirement at all? And so without making this conversation uncomfortable, I want to explain what circumcision represented to the people. First of all, uh, circumcision represented devotion to the covenant. And, of course, that was going to take devotion for them uh, to do that. This was going to take a physical act for them to say, I am committed to you, you are my God, this is your commandment. I may not understand it, but I am going to follow you in everything that you say to do. Uh, it would also uh, show their reliance upon God for fertility as well, realizing that uh, that all of their children from, from there on out, they all came from God. It, you know, they did not build the nation of Israel, God did. And just as Abram had to rely on God for children, uh, they would as well. It would also uh, signify uh, separation from the nations around them uh, as well. Now, as we know, uh, you know, most of the nations around them did not do this practice, and so this was something that uh, would show separation uh, from them. It would make a difference between them and the other nations that, that, that were there around them. And it also signified the shedding of impurity, uh, the impurity of their nature, and walking in holiness. And, uh, and if you remember, uh, he says here, in anyone who will not submit to this, you know, to the circumcision, anybody who will not submit to this, he also shall be cut off or shall be separated from his people. So if he will not show separation from the nations around them, if they will not follow my commandments, if they will not be holy and walk in holiness, then they too will be cut off from their people. They're going to be shed from the people uh, from, from Israel. 
So in other words, what we find here, uh, you know, I think this is the, the most important thing, is that this was an outward expression of what was to be an inward change. As strange as it may sound for God to demand this of them, this was just them outwardly expressing uh, an inward change that was supposed to take place in their hearts. And as we look through scriptures, we're going to find several different references uh, where Paul talks about it himself. He, said, he, he talks about uh, you know, becoming a Jew. He says, not with the circumcision of the flesh, but with the circumcision of the heart. You know, this was supposed, you know there, was, there was also supposed to be something that God was doing on the inside, uh, some changes that were made on the inside, some shedding of impurity from within, and a devotion to God from the heart. Uh, he said, God said in Deuteronomy that he was going to circum- circumcise their hearts, meaning he was going to shed the impurity of their hearts, make them love him, you know, cause them to love him. And, uh, and you know, it, it, it even has some application for us as well, you know, that God wants us to be also to be circumcised of heart. He wants, us to, he wants there to be an inward change within us, uh, to be willing to, to be devoted enough uh, to do whatever it takes to follow God in his command and to walk in his ways. And we need to consider that. Now, we find God's promise in verses 15 and 16. It says, And God said unto Abraham, As Sarai thy wife, as for Sarai thy wife, sorry, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, uh, but Sarah shall be, or shall her name be. So instead of Sarai, uh, he is to call her name Sarah. In verse 16 it says, And I will bless her, and I will give thee a son also of who? Of her. Stop with the other people. I'm going to give you a child with her. Okay? And he says there, Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. So basically he makes the same promise for Sarah as he did for Abraham, that it was going to be with them, from their children, that he was going to build this, uh, this covenant people. We find here that God changed Abraham's wife uh, his na- her name, excuse me, from Sarai, which means my princess. And I can just imagine her daddy naming her that, can't you? My princess. Uh, to Sarah, which means princess of a multitude. So this was to be the, uh, the king, the father, and the princess of a multitude of people, a multitude of nations. Why? Because God was going to use them to build nations. Now, it says the Lord promised that she would be the mother, again, of nations and kings. Any questions on that, on any of that that we just uh, talked about? Comments, anything? All right. Now we're looking at the covenant heir. Uh, we find Abraham's laughter in verses 17 through 18. Now it says, And Abraham fell upon his face. Here he is falling on his face again, but not for the same reason. It says, He fell on his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Let Take Ishmael. You know, we've already got a child. Let, let him be the heir. Uh, you know, how, how am I, how are we, as old as we are, how are we going to bear children? He's laughing uh, before God about this. Now, you've got to imagine this. You know, I, I know it sounds kind of sacrilegious a little bit to talk about laughing at God or laughing, you know, or anything like that. But this was probably funnier to Abraham than it is to us. 
Uh, you know, him, him looking at, okay, by the time this baby's born, I'm going to be 100 years old. You know, Sarah's going to be, uh, you know, 99 years old. You know, I mean, or however old she's going to be, she's going to be old as well. He says, you know, how are we going to have children? He, he thought that was uh, hilarious. And so as we see, Abram fell on his face, or Abraham uh, fell on his face and laughed at this thought. Yeah, right, we're going to have children. That'll be the day. Now we see Isaac's name in verse 19. I think this is very interesting. God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. God even told him, he, after uh, Abraham fell down, laughed and everything before God, God said, all right, listen, not only are you going to have a son with Sarah, Sarah is going to bear a son to you, but you're going to call his name Isaac. Isaac. Now, I was, you know, I, I was looking at all this. Uh, the name Isaac means laughter. Is that interesting? Abraham laughs at God at this thought of having a child with Sarah. He says, well, not only that, but you're going to call him Isaac. You're going to, his name is going to be laughter. Um, you know, and I, I thought about this. Every time that Abraham called his son's name, you think about after this, uh, when, when Isaac was finally born, and how many times do you think in your life you called your children's name? Probably a lot, huh? <laughs> you know, or every time, you know, as an older gentleman, he was uh, probably a lot more mature than, than I was when I had children and everything, and uh, he probably, uh, it probably meant a lot more to him uh, to have a child after they had waited so long and so I can imagine him and Sarah sitting in the tent and just thinking, you know, I can't believe we have a son. You know, and, and there he is running around. And his name is Isaac. And I laughed at God whenever he told me we were going to have the son. I laughed at him. But, but here he is, Isaac, our son. And, uh, you know, I just think about that. Every time he called his name, Isaac, come on. It was a little reminder of, of, of what was so funny. Can you remember? <laughs> We're going to have a son. And there, there he was. Now, as we continue reading on, uh, first of all, are there any comments on that at all? Anybody want to say anything to that? As we continue reading in verses 20 through 22, uh, we also find a covenant rival as well. And I think we're all going to know where I'm going with this, uh, with Ishmael, of course. Now, we see Ishmael's blessing in verse 20. Now, God is telling this to Abraham. He says, And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. And what did, God, what did Abraham say? What does, he say? what does he mean when he says, I heard you? What did Abraham say? All right. He said, Oh, that Ishmael might, might live before you. And God said, I heard you. And I have blessed him and will make him fruitful. And I will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. I thought that was very, not coincidental, but just very uh, interesting how that, uh, you know, we know that Isaac's son, or Abraham's son Isaac, his son Jacob, had twelve sons, which make up the twelve tribes of Israel, but Ishmael too was to have twelve sons that would make up, you know, different clans of the Ishmaelites. He says, I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this time, or at this set time, in the next 
year. Not only was Sarah going to have a baby, she was going to have a baby soon. Within this time next year, she was that child was going to be here. We, we see Ishmael's rejection. What I mean by that is, uh, you know, God said, he said, I've heard what you said about Ishmael, but my covenant I'm going to establish with Isaac. Ishmael's not to be my covenant child. Uh, but with, with Isaac, I'm going to establish this covenant. And she's going to have him at this set time in the next year. It says, And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. And so uh, he, he left and uh, went away. Now, Ishmael's descendants. Now, I want us to, to talk just a little bit about Ishmael. Um, God said to Hagar in chapter 16 and verses 11 and 12, if you want to turn there real quick, chapter 16, verses 11 and 12, I want you to notice what God said about Hagar. It says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Ishmael, talking to Hagar, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. Now look at God's description of Ishmael. It says, And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. He'll be a wild man. And his hand will be against every man. And we're seeing it. And, and this feud between Ishmael and Isaac is just going to keep getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And I really believe that God's going to use Ishmael in the last days. He's going to play a big part uh, in our last days, that rival between the two brothers is going to play a big part in what's coming up. And, uh, and I think we're seeing it all get set up right now. I think it's, I think it's all falling into place. Now, I don't know what, what the uh, Muslim, you know, how, what their part is going to be in all the end time events. I, can, I, you know, I don't know that, but I have, I have a strong feeling that they're going to play a, a major role in, uh, in the events that are coming up. And so we need to keep our eyes open. Well, you think about that. Think what about what he said about Ishmael right there. And, and it had just started. I mean, this has been going on for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. And, um, and so, you know, it, and it's going to continue as well. Today, Ishmael's descendants still claim, descendants, excuse me, still claim that he is the rightful heir and they still hate Isaac. I've got a book uh, back in my office there and uh, I was reading it. And do you know that the Muslims, as far as I understand, the Muslims claim uh, they still have the same story about Abraham and Abraham going up to the mountain and Abraham slaying his son and, and God protecting a, a, uh, Abraham's son and everything. But guess who the son is in their story? Ishmael. And so they are the descendants of Ishmael and, and the covenant that God made with Ishmael. And uh, you know they, they still hold on to, that, to the fact that Ishmael was, was the covenant son. And, I mean, there's, there's a huge feud. Uh, you know, they feel that Ishmael deserves all the rights. And, and what are they doing right over there right now in Israel? What are they doing? Fighting over that land. This is our land. Don't touch it. This is our land. What are they doing? Brother Randy, you were talking about that on, you know, the Palestinians. They will not let go of that land. Why? It's, it's ours. It's our father's. We're not letting it go. This is ours. And it's going to just keep on going. But who does the land belong to? 
Who's going to get it? All right. So we already know how it's going to turn out, right? We see that their hand is still against every man, and they are still dwelling in the land of their brothers. They're they're in you know high, highly populated over in Israel, uh, in the areas round about. You get out in Iraq, Iran, you know, and all those uh, different nations around there. They're still dwelling in the land of their brothers, even as God said here in this verse. Very interesting. Just think about what the Lord said to her. Now, uh, in reflection, Abraham's name has absolutely lived up to its meaning. He is the father of many nations, and especially when you count in the nations that have been built from Ishmael as well. Uh, he is the father of many nations. Uh, through Ishmael, he's the father of many Middle Eastern nations at this time. Through Isaac, he's the father of the Hebrew nation. And of course, through Jesus, his descendants reach towards all nations. And uh, I, want to, I want to recall to you the very first verse in Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Jesus Christ the son of Abraham, son of David. And uh, that whole genealogy, the book of Matthew, was written to show us how, uh, how Jesus fulfilled the Davidic covenant and how he also fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant. Same thing we're looking at right now. Jesus Christ, son of Abraham, the son of David. And, uh, and so through Jesus, uh, God has just broadened you know, the, uh, uh, the, the father of a multitude uh, that, that name of, that he gave Abraham. All right, any questions now? Anybody? No thought? Because I don't have anything else to say, so if y'all got something. I think we're still a few minutes early. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Say that again. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was 13 years old. So they were both circumcised on the same day. So Ishmael was 13 years old when God appeared to him here then. Sometimes it just means that they paid in tribute here and there, but some of those they actually took as their own, like some of the Philistines or some of the 
uh, you know, people in the land, they actually took as their own servants. Yeah, right. Now, God commanded them. He said, you do not make an Israelite a servant. So they, they were not, he said, because that's your brother, you know. He's your brother. And he says, you don't make an Egyptian. You don't take an Egyptian as a servant because you were sojourner in their land. And, uh, you know, there was a couple others. They, they were not to take as slaves, but there were some nations that, that uh, they could, you know, own slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Abraham married Keturah, yeah. Sarah was dead. She was, yes. So Keturah was his second wife legally. Right. His mm-hmm. second wife. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, who knows how many children they, you know, wound up came from those, coming from those uh, yeah. children as well. Mm-hmm. some studying on that because I'm not sure not sure about that now he now a little bit later in Genesis it actually goes through Ishmael's genealogy so I might can look over there and see if it names any anything like that but I, I don't know right off the top of my head that's a good it's a good thought though I, I need to check that out right exactly because they're somewhere you know yeah right right Were you saying something to that, Randall? No, many of them did. You'll look at like Jordan, stuff like that, other countries. Yeah. A lot of them have intermarried into, and they created those separate countries. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, most of the <coughs> Arab nations will trace, they all, like you are then, they trace themselves right back to Abram. Right. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. Right. But not, they're not the children of promise. And that's what they're fighting over. All right, anybody else? Anything? Hey, I know if if certain people were sitting in here tonight, I'd probably be going to jail right now with that stuff that I showed. But, hey, it's real. And it's really happening. And, you know, we, we need to give earnest prayer and earnest attention, you know, to the things that are going on. Right now we're still the country. Exactly. So we, we just need to, to you know, we, we can't hide our eyes, you know, be blind to, to what's going on. And uh, so anyway, just uh, remember that. Anybody else? Anything? All right, let's dismiss. Good to see you all here tonight. I hope you received something out of the, the lesson uh, this evening. God keeps his promises. And uh, we see how he does, and we'll continue to see that as we go along.